Hi, welcome to Promo Insiders, an ASI media podcast covering the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm executive editor Sarah Lavendusky, and today I'm joined by Martha Monroe, a wellness expert and coach based in Canada, who's here to discuss self-care almost a year into the pandemic. How can we reset and realign to continue taking care of ourselves and our families as we weather this situation? That's our topic today. So thank you, Martha, for being with us. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Sarah. Of course. And everybody who's listening, make sure to comment or ask Martha a question during the session. And you may be one of three winners of a box of Kind Bars, courtesy of our friends at Chocolate in Lanco. So as we mentioned, you know, it's now almost a year since the first shutdowns were announced, which is hard to believe. And people were sent home to work and learn. And we had all hoped, you know, only last like two weeks, which obviously that didn't happen. So uh, we were definitely like, you know, caught off guard by that. And I think you know, if we talk a bit about where we are collectively and how traumatizing this has been for us, from a psychological standpoint, like why are things different now as opposed to the start of the pandemic? How is the stress different? And what is that long-term stress doing to us? And I think, too, we should talk about, you know, the fact that we're grieving things. We're grieving, you know, people dying, of course, people who've been very sick, but also, you know, our, our lost plans, deferred dreams. It, it really is a lost year. So can you speak to that, you know, that long-term stress and how we're dealing with that collectively right now as a collective trauma we're sharing? Yeah, for sure. I think it's such an important thing to talk about. I saw somebody uh, shared a tweet the other day that was, okay, here we are, we're almost at the one year anniversary of, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. And so, you know, so many of us are dealing with something that is so much different than what we expected, um, you know, a year ago when we were starting to hear all about the novel coronavirus on TV. So I think when we think about stress and the way we think about coping and resilience, the coping strategies and the self-care strategies that we use for more short-term acute stress um, may not necessarily be as adaptive in the long term. So, you know, if, if you think back to like the days when you're in university and you're like, okay, I have an exam coming up, it's a week, I'm just, I'm not going to eat right. I'm not going to get the sleep I really need. I'm not going to get that workout in. You know, I just have to do this thing and then it's over. But that hasn't happened, right? And so some of those avoidance strategies um, that can actually be adaptive in short-term stress are now, you know, we're seeing that, well, now I've been neglecting all of these ways of taking care of myself um, for a year. And so I think there's this sort of, collective weirdness about the fact that it's been the full year and like you said it is it is grief and so allowing ourselves whether whether we're dealing with um you know real grief of loss of loved ones that people are dealing with many people are dealing with or if it's just adapting to a life that is different than what you planned um allowing ourselves to have those feelings, really centering self-compassion and caring for ourselves, um, I think is the most important thing um, as we settle into the space of reality right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. I think, like you said, you know, naming what those emotions are and not feeling shame about them and Mm -hmm. um, giving yourself the space and the compassion to feel them is like really, I think it's an important, like, 
big first step for people, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I think right now, because we're hitting that year milestone, um, and like you said, it's been kind of like deferred uh, self-care, maybe in a lot of ways for a long time, uh, we really need like a reset because it's not sustainable to, to live that way. So if we start with, you know, just like getting back to basics, I think we could all use like a reminder of what some of those basic um, health, uh, health maintenance of yourself, what does that look like? And if we start with like the beginning of the day, when our feet, our feet first hit the floor, what are some ways that you would recommend for perhaps getting uh, a better night's sleep? You know, I know that sleep is sometimes very mm -hmm. elusive for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. So this is actually something I work on with coaching clients all the time. I, I love focusing on small goals, small actions that we can take. And with almost everybody, it ends up being, okay, well, what needs to happen to make that easier? What needs to happen to make that easier? What needs to happen? And it almost always comes back to sleep, that when we're well rested, um, it's easier to feed ourselves in a way that feels good. It's easier to have energy to, to do exercise, to do self-care things, to have patience with our kids to not feel like we're totally burnt out at work to manage the many roles that so many of us are doing kind of all at one time um it's it's a really big one sleep is and a lot of them are like fairly common sense things but it's setting boundaries around things like electronics and watching tv in the evening and in a very real way, we do need that opportunity to like unplug from life and and end them a little bit. It's not necessarily bad to want to tune out and watch Netflix for a bit. I mean, I do that as well. Um, but being mindful of, okay, can I watch something for an hour to give my my mind a break and then shut it off and and find those boundaries in a way that are gonna work. So if you are somebody who struggles with sleep, trying to reduce the caffeine intake gradually can be a really big one um, because that ends up being a cycle. You sleep poorly, so you have a bit more caffeine and then the next night is worse kind of thing. So being aware of that, setting give, set yourself a bedtime, right? I think a big part of self-care is almost looking at yourself like you're reparenting yourself caring for yourself the way that you would want to be cared for by a parent or the way you care for your child or a loved one. Um, so set yourself a bedtime. If you normally go to bed at 1am, setting it for 9pm is probably not going to happen. So think half an hour earlier per week, set those limits that are going to feel realistic around electronics in the bedroom, watching TV, you know, probably not realistic for most of us to not, never watch TV and never look at our phones in the evening. Um, but maybe we can give ourselves half an hour and slowly work on um, giving ourselves a little bit more space so that we can sleep better. Mm -hmm. I actually have a follow-up question for that. Do you also, like, I know it's kind of like all business store in the week and then party on the weekends where it's just like anything goes, you know, it's like I, I get up, go to bed whenever, get up whenever, like the kids are running around, who cares? But I think is do you, like, what do you uh, advise for people, like even during the weekends, like, you know, do you recommend having a routine on the weekends too? I think it depends on 
what your routine is like and what works for you. So if, if, if that's going to throw off your schedule going into the, the following week, then it's probably not worth it, right? If, if you stay up until late on Friday night and Saturday night, it might be hard to go to bed at a reasonable hour on Sunday and kind of start your Monday off smoothly, right? So mm -hmm. keeping in mind that that next week is going to happen <laughs> so that it's not kind of all or nothing. I mm -hmm. heard about this concept recently that was uh, something about revenge bedtime procrastination, which is the idea that when we don't have a lot of control over how we're spending our time the rest of the day, we put off our bedtime because we're trying to like maximize what we can do in that time. And I think it's something so mm. many parents can relate to. Like I have a daughter who's almost three mm. and when she goes to bed, that's my only time to like feel like an adult, right? Have right. a conversation <laughs> with my husband, watch some TV, right. maybe make a cup of tea, maybe read a book. Anything that I want to do for me mm. is going to be in that time. So there's this kind of like wanting to take back control, mm. um, but it can end up not serving you. So it's fi finding the balance of doing those things where you get to have grown up conversations or, you know, text message with a friend, but without compromising sleep too much. Mm hmm. Great. Well said. Yeah, I think, you know, sleep is really like the foundation for a lot of these other things because you rely on sleep and good sleep to be like cognitively functioning at, at a high level where you can make good decisions for yourself. So I think that's a really good way to start the conversation. And when we're talking about, you know, nutrition and hydration, I know, I think beginning, you know, in the, in the first days of the pandemic, it was very like the novelty of like staying in and cooking, kind of nesting and trying, you know, new recipes, healthy recipes, you know, cracking open that cookbook you hadn't cracked open yet. And I think maybe some of that has gone out the window. There's been some fatigue about like always having to cook. And I think people are getting, you know, they, they want to get back to restaurants and doing that kind of thing. And, and they're maybe doing takeout that's like, oh, let's just grab a pizza, you know, and how many times do you do that a week, right? So um, in terms of like nutrition and hydration, you know, making sure that um, you have like a meal plan, for instance, that you, you kind of, you know, you plan out, you stick to, you go shopping, you make it beforehand. What are some of your tips for like just having, you know, healthy options around and getting your kids in that too? Because I think sometimes, you know, especially if you're a parent, you end up eating what your kids are eating, right? So how mm -hmm. do you kind of get your kids involved in the healthy choices too? Yeah. So, I mean, I think like you mentioned, planning is a big part of it. Um, and, you know, hitting the easy button when, when you need to, um, and not being so hard on ourselves as well. If, you know, it's not going to be super detrimental to your health if you order a pizza once a week. It's not, we don't need to be overly concerned about those small decisions. Um, but, you know, most of us probably don't want to be doing that every day. So finding that balance, I think one of the big things is eating enough. I know people are mm. very sensitive right now. So many people are feeling like they've gained weight during the pandemic. And so there's this sensitivity about um, eating and eating behaviors. And I think we need to be centering self-compassion again and making sure that we're eating enough. If we find that we're making poor decisions about our eating, it's often helpful to look if there's a restriction first 
right? So if you've been subtly kind of trying to eat less during the day, you're going to feel like you're more likely to overdo it at other times. So making sure you're eating enough at your meals um, and, and making those the food choices that feel good to you and that you notice help you feel more energized and everybody's going to be a little bit different as to what that's going to be. One of the things that um, our family has done for the past about six or eight months is we've been ordering the like meal kits because we found we found that we were ordering takeout more frequently than we wanted mm. both health wise and also financially right it's expensive to be ordering takeout like every day and so that was a great kind of in-between option for our family um, with him working full-time me being a full-time student as well as having my business and a toddler you know it's a lot so letting yourself choose an easier option is can be really helpful. That's, that's been something that's worked really well for our family. And yeah, just, just planning ahead and centering self-compassion. is key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really great point. I think the meal kits can really make a difference because it does take time to like hunt down ingredients you know, you have to buy too much, like you end up buying more than you need, you know, and sometimes you have to go to multiple places to get everything you need. It takes a lot of time, you know? Yeah. I think the meal kits are a great idea. Yeah. And it's emotional energy too, right? I think Mm. that that's like one of, one of the things that the pandemic situation is bringing out is how much in general, that type of emotional labor labor falls on women who are more likely to be working from home at the same time, trying to look after kids and maybe keep them on the homeschool path, plus the regular household things, plus the person who keeps track of like, do we need more milk? Do we need, you know? And so if there are ways that are feasible for your family um, to make that a little bit easier, then that can help. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We actually do have a question from a listener. Her name is Laura. Mm-hmm. She says, are there healthy, good mood foods? I think it's like comfort foods. Do you um, have okay. any recommendations for like healthy comfort foods that, you know, give you that like feel good feeling and rewarding feeling, but aren't necessarily packing on the calories too much? Yeah. I mean, well, one of the things to keep in mind is that when it comes to health and, and what's going to be healthy for you, the, the idea of like eating comfort foods is a pretty benign self-soothing behavior, right? I think that like there's nothing wrong with eating like mac and cheese because you want to have a delicious comfort food, especially, mm-hmm. you know, January, February, winter blahs. Making sure you're eating enough is going to be the most important thing in terms of balancing your mood with food. Um, and then if you are trying to eat healthier, right, all foods can fit in a healthy diet. It's not that it has to be extreme in, in any way. Um, but the what's based in research, one of the only food behaviors that's been consistently shown to increase mood is eating more fruits and vegetables. And so find things that you like and that you enjoy and maybe even feel like a treat that Mm -hmm. don't feel like it's you know all unhealthy all the time Mm. and and that's okay too right it's again it's it's staying centered in that place of Mm -hmm. Mm self-compassion it's all balance right yeah I think you're I think that your point about making sure you're eating enough 
too, because we're like overworking and then we're forgetting to eat, you know, especially if, you know, you don't have kids who are kind of like reminding you that it's mealtime, right? Like, so you kind of just work through meals or, you know, whatever, and then you end up, and, and then perhaps you end up having an imbalance where you're eating too much at the end of the day to kind of make up for it because you're like empty. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's really like a, I think it's like balance, but yeah, I think maybe the fruits and vegetables give you, anything can be a comfort food, but it's like the fruits and vegetables actually have like a sustainable um, mood balancing aspect to them, which is really yeah, good to absolutely. hear. Absolutely. And in terms of like comfort foods, like soups and stews all the way, mm. like that's, <laughs> we had stew last night with garlic bread and it was mm. like, yeah, this is, this is what we need right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. Great. Yeah. So um, also, uh, do you have any recommendations for, which I could really use, recommendations for um, reminders to drink water? Because I know, you know, we do not, like people generally do not drink enough water during the day. And I think it's just, mm-hmm. we just forget. I think it's just, we forget. You know, do you, do you have any recommendations for that when people ask you? Yeah, so it, it it depends on what you like. One of the things that I know a lot of people really resonate with are making a ritual around making yourself like a cup of herbal tea, like a, a non-caffeinated tea, um, something that's really nice and feels like a treat. Um, that can be a really nice way to break up your work sessions as well. Like I know we're going to talk a little bit um, about productivity, but the idea of kind of breaking up work every, every hour or so, you know, getting up and, and making a cup of herbal tea can be more enjoyable than just plain water if you don't love plain water. Um, Having it there, right? Like I've got my big bottle of water that just sits next to me on my desk all the time. Um, But if you don't enjoy that, you know, you can get a soda stream and make sparkling water and pop some frozen berries in the top or Mm. some cucumbers. Like there's there's a lot of different options that you can play around with um, to have just drinking more water feel a little bit more of a treat and Mm. I think that's self-care includes that too like it's not just like it is looking after the basics but it's also like treat yourself Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. great point yeah definitely um and also remember to comment or ask a question for a chance to win a box of Kind Bars from Chocolate in Lanco. So let's move into uh, more physical care in terms of exercise. And you just touched yeah. on this a little bit, making sure we're breaking up the day with some activity and movement. How can we do that? And I think another part um, you know, of that is if you have kids, dogs, you know, get them kind of involved in that, uh, in that activity. But what would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, ex- exercise is my jam. Like that's <laughs> that's my background, obviously, <laughs> as a personal trainer before moving into like well-being and coaching. And so I think a really big thing is being more generous with our definitions of exercise and physical activity. Mm-hmm. So physical mm-hmm. activity is anything where you're not sitting down or lying down. So physical activity can be just getting up, making yourself a cup of tea and just providing yourselves with a little bit more invitations to move. So one of the things that I like to do is have music on in the house. Like if I'm not on a call or, you know, my daughter's napping, um, have music on and you just, it just invites you to move a little bit more. So, you know, could be waiting for the kettle to boil and whatever, or if you're cleaning up the house, there's some, got your jams going. I had the Spice Girls on last week. Nice. <laughs> you know, and that just invites you 
to move and you, you know you mentioned kids or dogs like I think we all sort of notice that when we even just the trip around the, the block or to go and check the mailbox it um you know, it shifts your mood. You notice a change to your energy, or if you've been struggling with an idea for work or getting creative, all of those things, right? Like just moving can shift your energy and help you get closer to some solutions and some creativity. So just being a little bit more generous with that and centering your exercise relationship on self-care. Like it can be a way to manage your stress. It could be a way to feel good in your body that it doesn't have to be this like all or nothing you have to do an hour and you have to be sweaty and you have to be like sucking wind and need to shower after right like we can we can pare that down a little bit it doesn't have to be you know just all or nothing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we actually have a question from uh vin driscoll who is the director of our website at asi and he says when your job awesome. is to be online and on social media it's difficult to disconnect from the internet do you have any suggestions for us online folk perhaps there's a way to remind you to like you've been sitting for three hours you know like glued to the screen is there a way to remind you to just get up and go do something real quick just for like 10 15 minutes yeah, so there's productivity apps that are that are helpful. There's a whole bunch of different strategies that people can use. Um, so I, I really like the work for 50 minutes, take about five, 10 minutes break and do, do work in that way. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, set a timer for yourself and and set a reminder on your computer that's going to pop up and say like, hey, do you want to go for a walk? <laughs> kind of thing, especially when we're working from home, you know, that can be hard. And again, I think it comes back to boundaries, right? Like if you say family dinner time is an important time for you, you know, ask yourself, like actually question that belief a little bit, be like, is it actually going to be a problem for my work? If I'm, if my phone is off for an hour and for most people, unless you have, you're waiting on like that one message you know, that's a belief we can question a little bit. You know what, for this one hour, I can shut it off. And if, if I reply to somebody after 45 minutes instead of three minutes, that's going to be fine, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. or, or maybe first thing in the morning, right? I think we're so used to alarm clock goes off, grab the phone, scroll through social media, right? As opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, give yourself five minutes. So choosing strategies that are going to work for you, not everybody likes setting reminders to, to move, but just kind of take that moment to reflect for yourself and just be a little bit more purposeful about it, a little bit more mindful about it um, and come up with some, the strategies that you come up with are going to be better than what I tell you to do. The, the idea that it was like, oh yeah, I could do that. And just start little by little, like pick, pick something that's going to feel easy. Mm -hmm. If it's, I'm going to switch off my phone for 20 minutes while I have dinner, that might be a good place to start. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Baby steps. But that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I think a lot of people, um, you know, I know they've been dealing with it for a year, but maybe it's just really like getting to them and they need to a little reset is like the distractions during the day, especially if you have, you know, works very demanding and then you have kids kind of pulling at you or dogs barking and, you know, you have a spouse or a partner who's, you know, doing their own thing on the other, other side of the desk or the other room. And there's just a lot going on. Like, how do you manage 
distractions that, um, you know, kind of keeps you like calm, you know, through them. But yeah. what are some, what are some of your uh, piece of advice for that? I would say start with the frame of reference that we are being asked to be smooth all the time um, mm. is probably not going to be realistic. And, and knowing that I think allows us to move from a place of self-compassion a little bit more. We can think a little bit that we're resting parts of ourselves when we're in different roles. So it's like, I'm resting my mom self right now because I'm here talking to you. And then when I'm with my daughter, I can choose to be present with her and like switch off the work part of my brain. But also we need real actual rest too. And that might happen in smaller moments than would be ideal, right? I think it's um, knowing that balance right now is not feasible for most people, I think can help us embrace that mess a little bit more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, great. Yeah. I think giving your, like you said before, giving yourself that space and the compassion that it's not going to be perfect right now. <laughs> There's no way it could yeah. be. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's um, not. And, 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 and again, like what we were talking about before, like that self-care is, is crucial, like, and, and using small moments to like refill mm. our own cup, like, mm. <sighs> everybody <laughs> breathe with me right now like take a couple of deep breaths you know when you switch from one thing to the other take a moment to just kind of like recenter you know mindfulness in whatever way you practice it like you may or may not be a meditator but we can choose to like be present in small moments I think can go a really long way um and those transition moments too like if you're transitioning from work to parenting whatever like if you have a few minutes make yourself another glass of water or a cup of tea or like even when you come out of the bathroom like go to the bathroom and before you leave and head back into the fray be like you know what I have time to take three breaths for myself mm -hmm. and just let that stress that builds up within us just kind of melt a little bit mm-hmm mm-hmm Great. Uh, we actually do have a question from uh, Selena. She says, um, she says, hi, Martha. I was so focused on attending dance events in the last years that I realized halfway through the pandemic that it wasn't a habit to brainstorm things to look forward to that I could do. Um, so kind of, I think it's, you know, that, that common challenge we have now of like, before we didn't always like think we had to worry about what was coming next. And now it's like, we actually do have to like, you know, try to focus on things to look forward to when maybe we just kind of mm -hmm. did those things, you know? Um, so she says she's looking for creative ways to look forward to things on her own or with like, you know, someone. So lists, pictures, uh, jar of ideas, maybe that she could pick from. Like, what do you think about, um, you know, possibly like looking forward to things, but realizing that nothing's guaranteed right now? Yeah. So I think that's a really great question, Selena. Thanks for asking that. I think it's hard for a lot of us to be creative right now. If you think of like how, so creativity, a lot of that is like the right side of your brain and a lot of stress and problem solving is the left side of your brain. And so when we're stressed, it's hard to use that creative side of our brains. And it is challenging right now to, to think about the future 
because we've just had this big thing where like the future that we had been thinking of kind of got like that slate got wiped clean. So it makes sense that there is a bit of a struggle there. I think I would turn to the idea of savoring. So savoring is like being present and mindful and enjoying things. And savoring can be something that we do in the present, in the past, and in the future. So savoring in the in the present could be like sitting with your cup of coffee and just like taking that moment to like breathe and enjoy it and feel gratitude what, or whatever you feel and just like be in that moment of those positive feelings. Savoring looking backward is like reminiscing. So that's like looking through photo albums of like trips that you went on, or if you have kids looking at pictures of your kids when they were small or looking at pictures of you with your family when you were small, like reminiscing about that or Selena mentioned dancing, like looking back at old dance activities and just feeling that those fond feelings. And then we can take that savoring looking forward in terms of really a really nice opportunity to reflect on what our values are and what we actually want to create in our lives going forward. Hmm. So I think that that's one of the things that this pandemic has brought up for so many people with so many of the outside things like turned off, right? We're like in our sweatpants all the time. We don't see anybody. We don't do anything anymore. All of the outside world has kind of closed for a while that a lot of us are dealing with some of the inside things, some of the deeper things. And there's a little bit more of an existential nature to like, well, who am I and where do I fit in the world? And that reflection of values. And so I think we're really presented with a unique opportunity to reflect on what matters to me in my life and what do I value in my life and what do I want to see more of? And, you know, dance events may or may not be back anytime soon but if we think of well what did that dance event give us an opportunity to be creative an opportunity to connect to other people an opportunity to work on a skill set or what, whatever it is to you um it can be a way to really clarify what those values are and kind of create some intentions not for specific things that we're going to do but for ways that we want to be Mm-hmm. Great. Well said. Thank you. Um, great. Selena, I hope that was helpful. And finally, last question I had for you was, it's kind of a big one. We're talking about, um, you know, self-talk, um, the compassion we have for ourselves. I think sometimes we're our own worst enemies and we often have more compassion for others than we do for ourselves. Right. And so, so many of these things um, they really rely on us to be kind to ourselves, to allow us to make healthy choices for ourselves, to realize that we deserve to feel good, that we deserve good self-care. But I think, again, with everything going on, with all the stress, it really gets us, sometimes we get caught in these, um, you know, vicious cycles of just like negative self-talk that I think undermines mm-hmm. a lot of the good work we're trying to do for ourselves and our families. So um, what's the importance of of self-talk as part of self-care and what are some tips that you would offer for people to have better self-talk and better conversations with themselves? Yeah, for sure. I think that's, like you said, it is a big question. And I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that it's going to be a process, Um, you know, starting to unravel some of those beliefs really um, can be 
not so straightforward. So if it's something that an individual really struggles with, it might be an area to have a bit more therapeutic support and kind of work through with a therapist is always, you know, a worthwhile thing to do if that's something that you have access to. But I think for, you know, general self-talk, it's like, start to be more aware of it, start to notice it and, and think that we can have a little bit of space between the thought and the action, right? So we tend in, you know, cognitive behavior model, we think of it as like, um, it's called the ABC model so that there's an, an activating event. So something happened and then we think that it caused a consequence, but in between that there's a belief and if we can look at what the belief is and question it a little bit, then sometimes that can help shift that. So if say it's somebody didn't respond to my text with the event and my real friend, right? So we can look at, well, what, what's the belief there? And they're like, is the belief that if somebody doesn't respond to me in five minutes, that means they don't like me anymore. And it's like, no, there's, possibly other definitions. And so knowing that there are at least other explanations is really helpful to just have a little bit of space. The other thing is when we have thoughts that feel like, you know, the mean thoughts or like difficult, like body image thoughts, I know that's a thing that's really going on with a lot of people or people being hard on themselves for their like eating or exercising habits or whatever they are we can think of how would we talk to a friend who told us that we were, uh, that they were feeling that way. So if your friend was like, oh, I shouldn't go anywhere because I've, you know, put on some weight since whatever, be like, you would, you would approach them with compassion. You wouldn't be like, oh, you're horrible, right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't, we would never speak to a friend the way that we speak to ourselves sometimes can also be really helpful to kind of they like name it to tame it like name that voice and I've talked to a lot of people about the idea of like it's like the inner mean girl right and so if we think of like okay what's that inner mean girl voice and then you can even if you have the space to do it start to think well what's going on with the inner mean girl right like what's she feeling and what happens for so many people is like under under that meanness there's hurt right and so and then there's like this sensitivity so if we can like hold our like, inner mean girl be like I'm sorry you feel hurt right now right we 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 tend to over focus on the things like body image or be really hard on ourselves when there's other stuff going on right and we say that that's the problem but it's really that there's other problems that we're hustling for our worthiness we're totally over you know loaded with stress we're burnt out whatever and so we're like well let me take that out on the area that I have control and then we're like let's just drill that one right so it's sometimes the negative self-talk can be more of a symptom of like a global pandemic mm -hmm. <laughs> than it is the problem itself right right Great. Well said. Yeah. Long and I answer, think, but I hope it was helpful. <laughs> no, I think it's perfect. And I think too, we should remind people like, you know, if, if you, like you had said, you know, if you have access, see a therapist. I mean, if it's really like, you know, sometimes you have to say, I can't do this on my own. 
I, you know, I have to see Absolutely. a therapist. And if, and if something is like, and I, I want to make sure everybody listening knows too, like, you know, if something is serious, if you, if it's you or a family member or a friend, they need to see a, a you or they need to see a health professional, right? Like there's a certain Absolutely. point, yeah, where it's breaching, you know, a, a level of depression or anxiety that needs professional uh, intervention. That's a decision that's important to make too. Um, Absolutely. And and I would, I would add too, that if you have access, say through like work benefits or whatever, and, or you can afford to go to therapy, mm. you don't have to wait until it's so bad that you feel like you can't handle. Right. Um, it can be, it can be something that's supportive regardless of like, you don't have to wait until it's like a full blown crisis to, to have a bit more support. And I think that like, when it comes to our mental health, we can be, we can be more proactive than that. We don't have to like wait until we're like completely floundering and have no other options to look for some support. Um, and so therapy is great for that. Um, or if you're, you know, subclinical with anything, right. Coaching is great for that, you know, or talking to our friends, even peer support is really important about our difficult emotions. I think that a lot of us struggle with talking about our hard feelings. And so knowing, you know, the two or three friends that you have that you can be really real with is, uh, you know, can be really helpful. Great. Yeah, really well said. I think in this time of isolation, we're like forgetting to talk to our friends, you know, and it's like, right? it was hard enough before. And now with the separation, it makes it even harder. Um, but we do yeah. have one last question that I, we had talked mm -hmm. about sleep early on. Um, I didn't want to yeah. let it go without addressing it, but it's from Carrie Barreca and she says, hi, Martha, any tips to improve sleep? I like to avoid pills if possible. I seem to wake up after only three to four hours and can't always go back to sleep. I eat well, exercise. I've been doing breathing exercises, but I still wake up too early. Now we had talked a little bit about this. Could you just reiterate some of mm -hmm. your like basic sleep tips? And like you said, it's, it's a slow process, right? Little by little, you know, trying to make these improvements. Yeah, little by little. Thanks for the question, Carrie. Um, so I would start looking at the sleep hygiene was, was what it's called, which is like, you know, dark in the bedroom, um, having a good like wind down routine, whether it's, you know, after dinner, having no screens, a uh, cup of herbal tea to relax, maybe a bath, creating a, a good bedtime routine. Um, sometimes there's other underlying issues so if it is something that has been a prolonged issue it's worth talking to your gp and potentially doing a sleep study like that that's an option as well um if it's the not falling asleep and, and it's the waking up then um i've seen and heard a few people say that meditation can be really helpful um, I love, I have the Muse headband for meditating and that measures your brain waves um, and they have a sleep specific one to, um, help measure sleep. And then also what's really cool with it, because it's biofeedback, you can get a graph of what's happening with your brain waves at night, which Whoa. is going to kind of let you know what's actually happening with your sleep cycles. So if you're, not able to go in and do a real sleep study, you can get more information that way. It's a little wow. bit expensive, but yeah. if it's an been an ongoing thing, it might be something um, worth exploring. Hmm. But yeah, if 
all of the other things seem like they're in place, then um, looking into some things like meditation or talking to GP for a sleep study could be uh, worth exploring. And where do you, um, just for reference, where do you, uh, where can you get the headbands that you mentioned? You can order them online. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, Great. the company's called Muse. It's uh, Muse. Oh, fantastic. Great. Yeah, it's bi biofeedback meditation and they have a, they have one that's for sleep. Oh, wow. Great. Well, thank you. Really appreciate that, Martha. Very helpful. So, uh, well, we've covered a lot of information today, Martha. So I really appreciate your time. And for more coronavirus coverage, please head to iceicecentral.com slash news. Thanks for listening. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.